Well, good morning, church. Man, I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning to celebrate our risen Savior like we do every first day of the week. What a joy he is in our life. And we've come together today as the family of God to lift his name on high, dig into his word to discover how we're called to live, uh, and have fellowship one with another on the journey. Thanks again for being here today. We've got some guests in our audience, and we're so glad that you're with us as well. Thanks for joining us. Of course, our hope would be if you're looking for a church home, man, you might think about Crosspoint being that place. You could call home and use your gift sets to help us tell that story of hope that is Jesus Christ. Indeed, he does make all things new, does he not, church? Uh, And so we lean into that story because of the joy, the hope, the grace, and mercy that he offers each and every one of us. You're going to want to be here next week because we are starting a brand new series over the next several weeks uh, called Making Space. And we're going to be talking about how Jesus invites everyone to the table. No matter where they're from, what they look like, what's going on in their life, everyone's been invited to the table. And so we'll unpack that over the next several weeks as we roll into the Thanksgiving season. It'll be important that you don't want to miss any one of those because each one of them are going to be power packed with Scripture uh, and God's Word. We are excited to be in uh, our series right now called Weird, and you might ask the question, why use the word weird? Well, some of you may not have been here in past weeks, but it's because we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, and because of that, uh, the way that we treat people, the way that we interact with the world around us, the world looks at that at times and says, that's kind of weird. But uh, we'll be weird for Jesus all day long because of what he's done for us and the life that he gives us each and every day. We're so blessed to be called children of the Most High God, are we not? So blessed. And so we want to live a life of gratitude back to Him. We've been looking at different ideas along the way in this series, uh, today being the last day of that series, but we talked about initially that we have purpose in Jesus Christ, that we're called to live life out in such a way that we do have purpose and we exercise that purpose in our life. We're called to fully surrender to him and turn our life over to him so that he can bless us in lots of different and various ways. We are called to live a disciplined life, one that really exalts him and puts him in the number one position of our life. And today we're going to talk about how we lean into the important things in life and not so much the urgent things in life. Because if we're all honest here this morning, sometimes I live in the urgent more than I do the important. But our text today in Luke chapter 10 is going to reveal to us what that really looks like, uh, the difference in the two. I hope you've got your Bibles this morning. Our text will be on the screen as well, but we'll be in Luke chapter 10 in just a moment. Thinking through this idea of urgent versus important, I thought about a story. Robin and I, when we got married July 1991, we moved to Minnesota the next day. But because we were so young and didn't have a whole lot of money, we went on a fantastic honeymoon to Branson, Missouri. It was a fun, yeah, if you, have you been to Branson before? Raise your hand. Yeah, you guys know, it's a great place to be. Good family location, lots of stuff going on there. We didn't have a lot of money, so we checked into the Bald Knobbers Motel. Motel, not hotel, motel. Uh, and, and, you know, we were going to make the best of, of the days that we were there in Branson and have, have a good time. So we got there, we did check into the motel, and it was, uh, had two levels. There was a, uh, the 100 level and the 200 level. But the way Branson is uh, uh, built, it's all on hills, and so it kind of falls away from you when you're on the street. Uh, and so you're walking down the sidewalk, and you walk toward the, uh, the check-in area of the Bald Knobbers Motel. I love saying that, so awesome. 
uh, you, you walk toward the motel, and on the second level, that's the 200s, are right with the, uh, the, the office area, and then the 100 numbers are down below. You have to walk down the hill uh, to get to the 100 level of, of rooms. So we checked in into 113, and we got checked in, cleaned up, and we got ready to go next door to the Bald Knobbers show. Yes, we keep saying Bald Knobbers, but it's a great two-hour family show, lots of singing, lots of funny stuff going on, and we went, had a great time there. We, we left the show, and we were talking and cutting up like young Young couples do, gazing into, uh, you don't want to hear all that. But we were having a great time. So we get back to the motel, which is right next door. We're just walking down the sidewalk. We walk to our, our room number, and we decided to have a little fun. And I said, hey, let's act like a couple of cops who are making a bust. And Robin went along with that. I don't know if she was okay with that, but she did. So we got to our room number. She got on one side of the door. I got on the other side. We got our guns ready. I know, Charlie's Angels, right? Uh Uh-huh. I beat on the door as hard as I can. Boom, boom, boom. Open up, police. And then I realized it's 2.13, not 1.13. A sense of urgency comes upon us, and we begin trucking down the sidewalk, down the hill, into our room, and quietly with the lights off, wait for 10 minutes. Is anyone going to come get us? I don't know. There are moments in your life where you feel a sense of urgency rather than leaning into the important. And our text today is going to reveal that in our own lives, God calls us to really lean into the important. And when we make a decision to do that, we have less and less moments of urgency. We began four weeks ago talking in, uh, about the question and answering the question, who are we? And we truly are the sum total of all the decisions that we've made in life up to this point. And the, the choices that we make today, the decisions we make today will affect who we are tomorrow. And so we are called by Christ to live in purpose, live with surrender, live a disciplined life, and today really lean into the important things in life. Now, my guess is that you have in some way addressed this particular phrase, question, sentence in your own life. I wish I had more time to, and then you fill in the blank. I wish I had more time to go fishing. I wish I had more time to hang out with my friends. I wish I had time to go to Disney World. I mean, the list is endless of things that you could fill in that blank in your own life, things that you wished that you had time to do. But we always come back with, I'd like to, but. There's always that word, but. I'd like to go with you, but I've got to mow the grass. I'd love to hang out, but I've got to clean the kitchen, get the dishes washed, take care of the kids, take them around town, go to soccer practice. The list goes on of the excuses that we give because we can't do the things necessarily that we really want to do. I mean, you stop anybody that is your friend here at Crosspoint, and generally when you ask, how are you doing, the answer back is, I'm busy. We are slammed at work. I mean, it is a crazy schedule that we've got going on right now. And I am absolutely convinced that if Satan cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. Because he doesn't want any margin in your life to do the things that are important. And along that line, church, do you ever realize in your own life you have 
time to do the things that are important to you. You make space for the things that you believe to be important for you in your life. And so today we're going to address that very idea. How do we make space and room for the important things in life so that the urgency of life kind of fades away? Now, the reality of life is there are going to be moments where we have urgent things going on in life and you need to take care of those items. It's just a part of life. 11 years in the retail business uh, that I experienced as a, as a manager, you have to deal with almost daily the upset customer. And in the moment, that is an urgent thing that you need to tend to right away. But more importantly, might be to create systems in your store so that you have less and less customers that are upset. If you've got a problem with your vehicle and you need to take it to the garage... That's a moment of urgency. You need to take care of this. If I'm going to get around town, I've got to get my car fixed, taken care of. But maybe more importantly might be that you get your car on a regular service schedule. So those moments of emergency fade to the background. Maybe in your own life, you're feeling sick and tired and you're not sure what's going on, but you know something's not right. And so you feel the urgency in the moment to go to the doctor, to the ER, to get checked out. But what might be more important in your life is that you create a regiment of health where you're going to bed at the right time. You're eating the right food. You've got mental and emotional health going on in your life as well. A writer by the name of Seth Godin says this, if you take care of important things, the urgent things don't show up as often, but the opposite is never true. If you take care of the important things in life, the urgent show up less often, but the opposite is never, ever true. And so it leads us to our text to dig into God's word to discover how he's called us to live in the context of important things versus urgent. Now, I want to do a little backstory on our chapter before we start reading this morning. Jesus, at the front end of chapter 10, sends out the disciples on short-term mission trips. Now, we're not exactly sure what their trip was about. My guess would be that their job was to interact with the population and remind them that the kingdom of God is near, that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God. He is the Messiah that's been prophesied. And in the meantime, while the disciples are away, Jesus continues to teach and to preach. He continues to interact with his own setting. And he teaches deep theological understanding. Matter of fact, in the chapter it says that the joy of the Holy Spirit came upon the Son of God. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it must have been incredible. The very next thing that Jesus teaches is how important it is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how important it is to love other people just like you love yourself. Right on the heels of that teaching, he talks about the story of the Good Samaritan. What does it look like to attend to and help people that look differently than you? And then the disciples come home. They give an accountability. They, they, they give a report of where they've been and what they've done. And together, they all begin to journey toward Jerusalem. Now, understand, that's a metaphor that Jesus is headed to the cross. They're headed to Jerusalem so that Jesus can die on the cross for you and for me. 
Which brings us to our text in verse 38 in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, I don't know how it is at your house, but when our kids lived at home, our two boys lived at home, we used them as slaves. I'll just be up front. We trained them how to use the vacuum cleaner, how to sweep a kitchen floor, how to take the dishes out of the dishwasher, put them away, etc. All of those good things, how to pick the room up. And I'll promise you, in ministry 25 years, we had lots of people in our home. And so we as a family, we would get together and start cleaning the house when we knew people were coming over. It was important that we have a clean home. Kitchen clean, shoes put away in the closet, carpet vacuumed, everything where it should be. Now, the boys have grown up and they're out of the house, and so uh, Robin tells me what I'm supposed to do now. But we have connect group in our home. Now, we've got 15 different connect groups that meet here at Cross Point. Some meet here at the building, others in other people's homes. And our connect group, we meet in our house on Sunday night, and we offer a meal before we actually do the Bible study. People show up about 5 o'clock. So Sunday afternoon is a busy time of preparing the home, cleaning the kitchen, setting up tables and chairs, cooking if there's some cooking that needs to happen. About five o'clock, we open the door. and There's a little post-it note we put on the door, the glass part that says, come on in, we're ready for you, let's go. But there's a lot of cleaning that goes into that process each and every week. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment, you're sitting watching the Sunday afternoon football game and you get a text and you look at the text and it's Jesus of Nazareth and he says, I'm coming to your connect group tonight. What would you like me to bring for dinner? Can you imagine the level of cleaning you would do in your home if that were the case? I mean, you might even just rent something at the hotel. You know, don't come to my house. Martha and Mary are in this mode. The Son of God, the Messiah, is coming to our house for dinner tonight. They are cleaning like none other. They've called in ServPro. I mean, it's crazy. They are doing everything necessary to make it right. And then we have verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, I'm the oldest of three, and I loved tattling on my two younger brothers, letting my parents know what they were doing, what they were up to. Martha goes and tattles to Jesus on her sister Mary, who happens to be sitting right there. She's expecting some help in the kitchen, so to speak. But our text says that Martha was distracted. And I'm wondering how many of us in our own life live a life of distractedness rather than leaning into the important things in life. Some of us are faithfully pursuing things that are not important. I mean, what's the most important thing that you've ever been distracted from? 
Maybe as a Jesus follower, you, you claim to know Jesus, and you do. But in your own life, there's no intimate margin for you to truly know Jesus, to be a part of that process. Maybe in your own life, you find yourself doing things for your kids rather than just enjoying your kids. Maybe in your own career, it's very busy. There's lots of travel. There are things to do. And so you're busy working and you really don't know your spouse anymore. Or maybe you've made a decision as a parent to be a kid-centered parent. And in doing so, you've put the marriage on the back burner. Maybe some of us in life have become so busy with things just going on that I've, I've neglected my own physical health, my emotional health, my mental health. I've said no to those things because I'm just, just so busy. Maybe there are addictions and habits in your life, sins that you need to really understand and get a hold of, but you've made a decision to lean into the urgent rather than the important and move forward in that part of your life. This next verse could be any one of us, any one of our life verses. It goes on to say in verse 41, But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. You are worried and upset over things that really don't matter. You are preoccupied with things that really don't amount to a hill of beans. You are, you are really upset about things that are distracting and pulling you away from the things that are most important in life. Jesus goes on to say in verse 42, There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary had decided not to be distracted, but to sit at the feet of Jesus, to get to know him more intimately, to understand what his ministry was about and what was going on. Martha had surrendered to the urgent, and Mary was leaning into the important. Now, what I find interesting in this text, over the years as I have preached through it or taught through it, there's always one or two of us who come up to me after the fact and say, well, you know, Tim, somebody needed to cook. <laughs> well, you know, Tim, somebody needed to clean that house up. I mean, after all, Jesus was coming. And what I find interesting in that moment is that it's really us making excuses of why we're so busy, why we're so distracted, why we may not be leaning into the things that are truly, truly important. Because if you're not intentional in your life about leaning into the, the life that God's called us to live, the urgent will always crowd out what's important. And we're called to live differently. Church, we make time for what we believe to be important in our life. You think about your own life. I'm not going to miss the football game. I'm not going to miss that fishing trip. I'm not going to miss fill in the blank. Whatever it might be, we make time for what we find to be important. And I mentioned this last week. I turned 50 this year, and so I know I've got to get 
into a regiment and a routine of working on physically being in, in good shape. So three times a week, I have this argument with myself when the alarm goes off at 6 a.m. Eh, do you really want to get out? Mm. But I get up and I put the shoes on. Why? Because I've made that commitment. I understand how important it is. I don't want to do that, but that's what I am going to do. We often don't always get it right, but God calls us to lean into the important things in life and tackle those head on. And so this morning, I want to give you three practical ideas, I think, that will help you. They've helped me in my own life, but I think that will help each one of us as we dig into this idea of leaning into the important versus paying attention to the urgent. And again, I don't want to dismiss urgent. There are moments when that has to happen in our life. But we're called truly to organize our life in such a way that we truly can understand and better be a part of the important things in life. And one of those first things is to create artificial deadlines. Now, I want to define that for you and me. What does that mean? Put simply, it means to create artificial deadlines, <laughs> fake deadlines. It's right there in your face. I'll give you an example. Most of our deadlines, when we go home, when we're headed to the house, that deadline really is when the garage door shuts behind our car and we pull into the garage. That's our deadline. And over the years, driving home from church, from ministry, um, been thinking about budgets or relationships or ministry direction, and that kind of consumes you when you're in this line of work, much like your own work does the same for you. But when our boys were young, when I walked in that door, they wanted to wrestle with their dad. They wanted to interact with their dad, and I truly miss that today. But I know going home, they would want to take me by the hand out to the trampoline to show me the latest trick that they learned today or take me to that color page that they did that was now hanging on the fridge or how they'd pick their room up like their mom had asked, whatever it might have been. I knew that moment was coming. And so I had to create an artificial deadline for being home in my mind, so I was prepared for that. And so on my way home, I always passed the city park. And right at the city park, I'd take a right and as I'm headed home at that city park, I switch gears in my head. Okay, stop thinking about church and start thinking about my wife, my kids. So that when I get home, I'm ready to interact. You see, that's an artificial deadline. When I was working on my Masters of Divinity, it took me five years to accomplish that at uh, Abilene Christian. Uh, every single class that I took gave us a syllabus. And in the syllabus were dates and deadlines for when papers were due or reading was to be done. And so when I got home, I would create my own syllabus, and every one of those dates were three days earlier than was actually due because I wanted to be prepared. If something were to happen, I still have three days to accomplish what's in front of me. You create artificial deadlines. Some have asked me along the way about preparing sermons and sermon series and I'm never in the week that the sermon is given. So like last week, I began the, the holiday series for December, the Christmas series. You're always far enough out. You push those deadlines so that you can be effective and have room for the important things in life. And 
less urgent things show up. Maybe you want to reduce your debt. But every single month, you pay the credit card bill on the date that it's due, and you make the minimum payment. But if you want to get out of debt, pay before the due date, and even 5 or $10 more than the minimum payment will help out along the way if you want to get out of debt. Church, why would we leave things that are so important to us to the last minute? Our family, our career, following Jesus Christ. Now, you've done this in your own life, I'm certain of it. Because everyone in here that I'm aware of has probably had a vacation. Raise your hand if you've had a vacation. There's a group back there I'm worried about. Y'all need some time off. But you've had that moment where you knew, okay, vacation starts this weekend. Matter of fact, we're leaving Thursday morning and we're going on a Disney cruise. Or maybe you're going to Colorado or to the beach. I don't know where you're going, but it's going to be something incredible, I'm certain. And you're ready to go. But you're leaving Thursday morning. So what do you end up doing at work? You end up getting, uh, in three days, you get done five days worth of work. What normally took Monday to Friday, you get done by Wednesday night. Why? Because you're going on vacation on Thursday. And you don't want that hanging over your head. You do that in your own life. You create those artificial deadlines. And so do that so that you can lean into the true, truly the things that are important rather than having urgent, always right there at your front door. The second thing is this, be ruthlessly selective about your yes. Unless I ask you to do something, then it should be yes all the time. <laughs> be important. Church, most of the time, it's not from our lack of commitment but it's that we are overcommitted in life, that we don't accomplish everything that we hoped we could. So many of us, our calendars are absolutely full, and we have no margin to do what really are the important things in life for us. Busyness doesn't necessarily equal productivity or, or meaning or usefulness. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you to do something today. I want you to create a to-don't list. That's a little different, isn't it? A list of to-don'ts. And I don't know what that would look like for you. But I'm sure you could figure out some things that you need to say no to on occasion rather than yes all the time. An example would be when uh, I was a youth minister, and this doesn't change when you uh, start to work with the, the whole church either. Parents would come all the time with these great ideas about a mission trip or a service project or a Bible study series, any number of things that were really, really good things. But in a youth group, if we decided to do all hundred of those things, we would do none of them well. And so what you have to do is you have to look at what you're doing in ministry through the lens of a mission statement or a vision statement and discover those five, six, eight things that you're going to do really, really well. And you pour into those things. There's some things you have to say no to in order to lean into what might be more important. Church, the best leaders, the best moms, the best dads, the best workers, the best followers of Jesus do not say yes to everything. They are selective in what that looks like. Create those artificial deadlines Be ruthlessly selective about what you say yes to. And finally, do first what matters 
most. Do first in your life what matters most. Not if I get this done, then I'll do that. Do first what matters most. And if we look at the the context of the scripture that we took a look at, the story we looked at today, what seems to matter most is time spent with Jesus. And when we as a church individually and collectively make a decision that he is the most important thing in our life, everything else will fall into place. Mary chose what mattered most. So many of us call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, but our hearts are not in line with Jesus Christ. Our hearts are not doing life how he's called us to live. I mean, we're not seeking him first thing in the morning as we begin our day. We're not letting his word be a part of our daily life. We end up being Sunday morning consumers rather than looking around seeing who we can serve in the course of the day. We haven't chosen what matters most in life. Jesus addresses that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, where he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Did you see that? You seek Jesus first, and he'll give you everything else you need. What we try to do as human beings is find everything we need, and then if there's time, I'll pay attention to what Jesus has called me to do, how he's called me to live. And that's the problem we human beings have. But like I mentioned last week, it's a call for all of us to lean into the idea. As we go to work, as we begin our day, as we drive down the road, as we hang out with our children, to say, Jesus, give me your eyes so I see the world like you see it. Jesus, give me your ears so I can hear the call of the, of the lost who desperately need to hear your story. Jesus, give me your mouth so I only speak words of affirmation and, and uplifting thoughts. Jesus, give me your hands so I serve all those that I come in contact with today. Jesus, give me your feet so you'll take me exactly where I need to go today. Jesus, give me your heart so my heart beats for the lost just like yours. We lean into what's really important in life by seeking his kingdom first. And I'm not going to respond to what everyone else wants me to do. I'm going to listen to what God's called me to do through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to do the things that God has deemed important in my life. Church, we choose to do the things that we find important in our lives. We lean into those things and we make sure those things happen. So the call this morning is that you and I would lean into God and say, God, I want to make you first in my life. I want you to be the most important thing in my life. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Because you can either make excuses or you can make progress in your Christian walk, but you can't do both. We can make excuses or progress, but you can't do both. And I've told my story before leaving home and deciding I'm going to walk with Tim's script, not Jesus' script. I'm going to make my own choices in life. And things fell apart quite quickly. Things did not go as planned. And it wasn't until I made a decision to choose Jesus did everything fall back into place. 
Because when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, he gives us everything else that we need rather than the other way around. So this morning is a call that you and I would lean into what's really important in life. That, that you and I would realize that you and I, we have purpose. God's created us for purpose in this life. That you and I are called to fully surrender to him everything about us, lay it at his feet and say, God, how do you want to use me in your story? It's a call to live this disciplined life that the world looks at and says, that's kind of weird. And we say that's okay because we're leaning in to the most important thing in life. And that is Jesus Christ. The most important thing. Why? Because he does make all things new. He's the one, the son of God that extends grace and mercy, love and forgiveness to each and every one of us. He made that trip to Jerusalem, up the hill of Calvary, onto the cross, so that you and I could have the life that we have been created for. That is what is so exciting about following our risen Savior. And we gain joy and the type of life that we're created to have in Christ Jesus because we said yes to the important things. And the important thing is making Jesus the number one thing. And so this morning as we sing this song, my hope would be is maybe right where you stand, you recommit your walk with Jesus Christ. That you really lean into what he's called you to do and how he's called you to live. Maybe as we sing this song, you need a prayer, a vote of confidence to be reminded that Jesus Christ is walking with you in this moment. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room as we sing. Go find one of those couples and let them pray for you and over you that any obstacles would be taken out of the way, that that sense of urgency would be put on the back burner so that you can lean into what's truly important. Maybe today is the day that you publicly say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I want to lean into his story. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to make that public confession through baptism. And so you are baptized this morning, coming up out of that water, a brand new creation filled with the Holy Spirit, able to conquer and accomplish everything that he's called you to do in life. Maybe today's that day for you. I hope it is. Whatever it is, I hope that you'll always remember the most important thing is Jesus Christ. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he's looking to be a part of your story as well. Let's stand and praise his name together.